deep state, even deeper than we thought. We can call it the deepest state. Members of the deep state, the swamp, they're actually out there bragging to members of the media how they thwarted President Trump's agenda, how they tried to prevent him from achieving the promises that he made to all of us, to you, to me. In the deep state, they didn't want those things to happen. Pretty wild. Now, in the swamp, there is a website called Axios, which actually, they get a pretty good scoop every now and then, and the swamp loves talking to these guys. And we're finding out some interesting things about General Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. That, he was out to undermine this president's agenda. Now, according to Axios, General Milley was bad-mouthing civilian leadership every chance he got, so much so that Afghan leadership found out about this, and it could have thwarted things like getting troops out of Afghanistan. Milley was said to be appalled whenever Donald Trump ordered him to do something. Oh, not so fast, Mr. President. Also this, remember Steve Bannon, top advisor to President Trump? He says that he frequently demanded the Pentagon answer basic facts about the U.S. presence in Afghanistan, including where billions of dollars in U.S. aid were going and how many troops and contractors were on the ground. They literally would not give you any information, Bannon reports, and the information they gave you was BS. In every presentation, they say you're 18 months away from turning the war around. Always. You're always 18 months away. They tried to sabotage his presidency in so many ways. Oh, and here's something. There's a guy named uh, Jim Jeffrey. Now, look at how bold they got. Uh, senior official Jim Jeffrey, he was in charge of, uh, he was the envoy to Syria and the anti-ISIS coalition. He told Defense One in a post-election interview back in November, we were always playing shell games to not make clear to our leadership how many troops we had there in Syria. He said, adding that the real number of troops in northeast Syria is a lot more than the roughly 200 Trump initially agreed to leave there in 2019. They were always playing games. They thought they knew better, and they thought <laughs> they were sometimes more powerful than the commander-in-chief, it seems. Pretty interesting, especially regarding Milley. General Milley, remember this? I had suspicions about him for a long time. This is after that big riot across the street from the White House and National Guard troops were used to clear it. National Guard troops were later desperately requested at the Capitol. Remember that? Anyway, this is a pretty harmless picture, in my opinion. The president, the defense secretary, and General Milley. General Milley needed to signal to the swamp that he wasn't loyal to the president. He should be, no matter who the president is, that he was loyal to the swamp with this ridiculous video. As many of you saw the result of the photograph of me at Lafayette Square last week, that sparked a national debate about the role of the military in civil society. I should not have been there. My presence in that moment and in that environment created a perception of the military involved in domestic politics. Oh, you're involved in domestic politics, all right, General Milley. Very strange. That message wasn't to the troops, it was to the swamp, and I feel his agenda was uh, not America, but Mark Milley somehow. He has no problem uh, appearing with politicians. Here he is uh, giggling. Kamala Harris seems to be absolutely charmed by him at the, at the inauguration. Isn't that something? And uh, the swamp needs to convey something else, that January 6th of this year was the worst thing that ever happened. They've been lying about it in so many different ways. And we're finding out the truth. Slowly but surely, we are. Now, you may have seen this picture, which 
uh, seem to show Capitol Police kind of offering directions to where the Senate chamber was located. Um, now we're seeing video that backs this picture up. And the idea that, yes, Capitol Hill police may have been, some of them, cooperating with these guys. like our First Amendment allows. Gather more Americans under the condition that they will come and gather peacefully to discuss what needs to be done to save our country. This must be peaceful. This has to be peaceful. We have the right to peacefully assemble. Now, that guy's kind of crazy with the makeup and the horns and all that stuff, but I've seen so many videos and so many pictures. I've yet to see him breaking anything or hurting anyone, and some of these guys are still in jail all these months later. Doesn't seem right. Doesn't seem right at all. All right, so that's what's happening in Washington, D.C. What's happening everywhere, everywhere, a corrupt culture. Every now and then I'm reminded just how corrupt and anti-Christian it can be sometimes. Anti-Christian, yes. It's going around cable, looking at uh, whatever. I don't do that as much as I used to. You know, we watch Netflix and stuff like that. But uh, I saw a movie and it really bothered me. I only watched about two minutes of it, but this is the scene that bothered me. Sorry, I, uh, I, I had a bite of my bagel and I forgot to pray. Oh, dear Jesus, please forgive me for not praying before I had a bite of my bagel and schmear. Thank you very much. Amen. Now, of course, that's not what it means. That's not how it works. Um, this I usually, I found it kind of offensive, you know what I mean? But now it, it's even more than offensive. It's, it's really sad because they're preventing people from understanding what the real message is, what Christianity is all about. Peace, love, joy, forgiveness, a relationship with God, those things are available, but they make it a joke. They make it a joke. You could write a book about this. They do it all the time. One other example that I happened to see this weekend as well, Gran Torino. Actually a pretty good movie. I saw it so long ago that this scene did not bother me as much as it does now. Clint Eastwood, the old guy in the neighborhood and the gang comes at him and it's interesting, but it starts with his wife dying and, and this is the funeral. Testicles more than watch. <laughs> so that's a funeral for grandparents. And uh, they're saying vulgar things. They're laughing. They're giggling. Look at how they're dressed. You know, I've been to lots of funerals. I'm sure you have as well. Your grandparents may no longer be with us. Look at these kids laughing in the pew. Um, 
And that's just not, <laughs> this is not typical. This is actually outlandish, and it's very, very offensive. But these movies, I'm not saying they should be canceled or deleted or anything like that, but they might want to have a bit more respect. I think they have a lot more respect for other religions. Have you ever noticed that? Or other cultures? Now, movie companies are bending over backwards to delete and alter for any offense. Take a look at some of these, shall we? Uh, we got The Jungle Book, Peter Pan, Dumbo. Let's see, The Jungle Book, uh, they recently made amends because it perpetuates offensive racist stereotypes of African Americans. Peter Pan portrays stereotypical depictions of Native people as well. Disney, they came out with all of this stuff. Uh, Dumbo was considered racist. The Crows, a musical number, pay homage to racist minstrel shows, they now say. None of this stuff uh, was apparent before. But... The films that make fun of Christianity, actually from Disney, go on and on and on. And uh, not just Disney, all of them. All of the big companies out there do it. So every now and then, though, they do something nice, and I want to call attention to that. Mel Gibson, filmmaker, he's got a lot of faults. Hey, we all do, but um, I want to tell you this. We Were Soldiers is a magnificent film and one of the few that treats Christianity Christianity with um, reverence and respect, not derision and mocking. Our Father in heaven, before we go into battle, every soldier among us will approach you each in his own way. Our enemies too, according to their own understanding, will ask for protection and for victory. And so we bow before your infinite wisdom. We offer our prayers as best we can. The movie is called we Were Soldiers. I actually haven't seen the whole thing. I look forward to it. I hope you'll join me in watching it someday. And I hope you'll join me for the next block. We've got some good stuff. Be right back. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? They don't. Now the fake news is really committed to making January 6, 2021 seem like Pearl Harbor. Uh, the facts, however, suggest a radically different story. They say, the left and the media, that we on the right are trying to whitewash January 6th. That's actually not true. I think we need more information, and it has to be in appropriate context. But look at what happened yesterday on Meet the Press. There are these statements from Republican House members looking to wipe clean our collective memory of January 6th. The truth is being censored and covered up. As a result, the DOJ is harassing harassing peaceful patriots across the country. In fact, it was Trump supporters who lost their lives that day, uh, not Trump supporters who were taking the lives of others. If you didn't know the TV footage was a video from January the 6th, you would actually think it was a normal tourist visit. All right, so they're trying to say that these guys are not being honest, that they are whitewashing, trying to wipe clean our memory. But everything they said is factually accurate. Everything they said is factually accurate. Uh, let's start with the last one. This guy, uh, Congressman Clyde, Republican of Georgia. 
Now, again, they're taking these things out of context, but let's take let's focus on what he said right there. It's true. There is video that suggests that this looked a lot like tourists coming to look at the Capitol. That, and some of these people were let in. Look at this. Do they look like rioters? They are staying within the little velvet ropes. This actually happened. That's what he was referring to. What are we going to do? Pretend it did not happen? I mean, this is part of the story. All right. Next, uh, we had Congressman Jody Heiss. What did he say again? In fact, it was Trump supporters who lost their lives that day, uh, not Trump supporters who were taking the lives of others. Now, remember, Meet the Press is presenting this sequence as if these guys are lying and not telling the truth and trying to whitewash everything. Congressman Heiss is right. Now, Brian Sicknick, Officer Brian Sicknick, hero cop, did not die on January 6th. In fact, he wasn't killed. He died of natural causes. They've been very sparing with the details, but his family said he had a stroke. Uh, he was not killed by being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. I'm sorry, that is not true. Who was killed that day as a result of a homicide? Ashley Babbitt was. The unarmed Trump supporter shot and killed by a Capitol Hill police officer. That is a matter of fact. All right, then we have this from Congressman Gosar. The truth is being censored and covered up. As a result, the DOJ is harassing harassing peaceful patriots across the country. Damn straight. It is being censored and covered up. If you say the wrong thing about this on social media, watch out. You'll be deplatformed and canceled in a heartbeat. And also, the harassment of people. Can I ask you, the FBI, with all that's going on, the FBI still has made this their top priority, not only on the headquarters webpage, but every single field office in the country has this as their top priority. Don't forget, we saw police officers allowing protesters into Capitol Hill. Has this ever been explained? No one's asking questions about this, just like no one's asking questions about what happened to Ashley Babbitt. Congressman Gosar is, a couple of others, but no momentum, and we need some momentum. All right, meanwhile, we have this Dr. Fauci, let's face it, he's been wrong on a lot of things, but the left still loves him. But he's been wrong on a lot of things. So don't be surprised that he has to say this every now and then. Please believe me. Please believe me. All right, Dr. Fauci, you have been wrong a lot. Now you're speaking uh, to Emory University. This is a commencement speech on Zoom. Um, when we first met him, Back in January of last year, on this show, he was wrong in a big way. So, uh, manageable numbers. Um, bottom line, we don't have to worry about this one, right? Well, I, you know, obviously you need to take it seriously and do the kinds of things that the CDC and the Department of Homeland Security are doing. But this is not a major threat for the people in the United States. And this is not something that the citizens of the United States right now should be worried about. All right. I would have made alternative plans if this were something to worry about. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you have possibly adjusted your lifestyle? So he's been wrong in a big way. We all know the contradictions on mass. But anyway, uh, he was making a point. Uh, some of it was valid and a lot of it really wasn't. Uh, take a look at this. When people of color get infected with SARS-CoV-2, they more likely will develop a severe consequence of the infection. 
And this is because minorities in general have a greater incidence and prevalence of underlying comorbid medical conditions, including hypertension, chronic lung disease, diabetes, and obesity, that lead to a multifold increase in hospitalizations and deaths from COVID-19 compared with the general population. This is a real riveting commencement speech. Remember, 22-year-olds are graduating from college, but we're going to hit death. All right. Anyway, everything you said there is fine. Uh, that is all true. Here he goes, though, way outside of his lane to say why all of those things happened. And he's no sociologist. And the undeniable effects of racism in our society. Let us promise ourselves that our corporate memory of this tragic reality, that an infectious disease disparately hospitalized and kills people of color does not fade after we return to some form of normality. He doesn't know that. He can't say that. Racism. This is a guy who tried to show that he was above politics, didn't want to opine on anything political. He's as political as they come. And isn't it obvious that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, he now works for them big time. All right. Now this. Black lives do matter, not the way that the Black Lives Matter organization says they only seem to care when a black life is taken by a white cop. No, black lives do matter. And we're highlighting all the black lives that have been taken, black lives of children. And there should be universal outrage about this. Barack Obama should be going to the inner city right now to broker peace between warring gangs. But he is literally above doing that. It's unfortunate because he could make a difference. Could have made a difference for 17-year-old Aramis Valdez, shot and killed in the Claremont section of the Bronx this weekend on Saturday. A barrage of gunfire around 9 p.m. behind a McDonald's on Webster Avenue. I know that area. Five people were struck by bullets when someone opened fire from across the street. Valdez was the only fatality, shot in the chest. Now, he was actually recovering from a random subway stabbing that happened back in March. He still had injuries. His mother says he was a happy guy, always dancing and singing. He had dreams of becoming an artist. The boy's father died some time ago. Cops said it was not immediately clear what sparked Saturday's bloodshed or who was targeted, no arrests. And the mother says she cannot afford the funeral costs. Just 17 years old, Armanis Valdez. What a tragedy. We'll be right back. Israel remains under siege by the terrorist organization Hamas. Israel took out a Hamas intelligence facility inside that building. Uh, some Western journalist organizations were headquartered there as well. They were given ample time to leave the building. Um, a lot of fake news controversy about this right now. Overall, though, hostilities continue. Uh, between Israel and Hamas. That building is going to come down sooner or later. Here we go. International warfare experts will tell you that if the military utilizes a site, whatever that site is, it becomes a legitimate military target. Again, no one was lost in that 
uh, the building was evacuated. The Israeli military actually gave uh, the forces there and the journalists uh, a heads up about an hour or so. We are joined now by Ambassador David Friedman. He's a former ambassador to Israel from the United States, uh, very close to President Trump, of course. And Ambassador Friedman is in Jerusalem right now. Uh, sir, first of all, welcome to Newsmax. And how are you doing tonight? Well, thanks, Greg. I'm, uh, I'm doing well. It's quiet here in Jerusalem tonight. Uh, it's been quiet here the last couple of days, but most of the country has been absolutely rocked over the last uh, 72 hours, including my grandchildren who are in Tel Aviv, uh, the Tel Aviv vicinity, you know, people who, who talk about the difference in uh, body counts. And I don't think they fully appreciate how incredibly traumatic it is to wake up a three-year-old child in the middle of the night and carry them crying to the sounds of massive explosions into a dark, uh, dark uh, bomb shelter. So uh, the Israelis are suffering. My family has been suffering, and um, it's all because of a, a ruthless, homophobic, uh, misogynistic, anti-Semitic uh, group of thugs uh, that we refer to as Hamas. Do you have any sense? Look, you were a member of the Trump administration, of course, but. Um, would this have happened during the Trump administration? A lot of folks are looking at this and wondering, you know, there seems to be a cozier relationship uh, between Iran and the Biden administration than they care to admit. What brought this on? Well, I think, um, I think that's part of the story. I think part of it is the fact that uh, Hamas was, uh, was ahead in the Palestinian elections and the Palestinian Authority canceled the elections. And this is the way for... Hamas to burnish his credentials, if you will, with the Palestinian people. They can't go to the ballot box. They're going to show how good they are at killing Israelis. So that's, I think, the primary part of it. But look, when we were in office, uh, we uh, sent a message loud and clear to all of Israel's enemies that when Israel is attacked, there will be no handcuffs, no restraints that we put on Israel. We will allow Israel, we will encourage Israel to defend itself by itself as it is necessary to defend its own citizens. And I think that message was heard loud and clear by Hamas, by Hezbollah, by, by others. And I think there was a certain amount of restraint we saw over the last four years. The last four years were four of the quietest years over the last three or four decades. So I'd like to think that our policy helped that. The message today seems a bit uh, murkier. This is from Tony Blinken, our Secretary of State under Joe Biden. You've requested additional information. Have you received it? Have you seen it? And did you find it credible? Um, I've not seen uh, any information provided. And again, to the extent that it is uh, based uh, on uh, intelligence, that would have been shared with other colleagues. And I'll leave that to them to assess. All right. Uh, Noncommittal on, on that point. But they know how this game is played. And there, there's a way to show warmth and support. And there's a way not to. And we're not getting much of that from the Biden administration. And, and by the way, just, you know, with regard to that last comment, you know, I, I know the uh, Israeli spokesman well, the brigadier general who, uh, who gave the information out. He is 100 percent certain that the Associated Press, Al Jazeera and other news networks uh, that were in the building were also uh, co-tenants with Hamas as well as Islamic Jihad. Uh, and I, uh, I uh, have no reason to think that uh, that's not 100 percent accurate. That they were aware that they had a co-tenant in Hamas. Uh, they, they, they were aware, and the fact that Hamas was there was uh, was uh, was well known within the building, within the uh, the, the press community, and and I, I think uh, when the uh, when that information can be shared in a public uh, in a public forum, I think there'll be no doubt 
that uh, Hamas was uh, a major tenant in that building. Uh, the Associated Press is saying that they did not know that. That is their public statement. But let's face it, Israel in this country does not get a fair shake from uh, mainstream media. I want to show you a clip of, uh, from MSNBC. This is Ali Velshi um, explaining, trying to explain to the world um, uh, geopolitics over there. Palestinians are, at best, third-class citizens in the nation of their birth. The idea that it's even remotely controversial to call what Israel has imposed on Palestinians a form of apartheid is laughable. One look at a current map of Israel, Gaza, and the occupied territories conjures up only one other example, apartheid-era South Africa. All right. That obviously conjures a lot of uh, negative imagery, but I would like to show everybody this picture of Ali Velshi in front of a uh, burning police station that he called largely peaceful protests, famous footage from, from, from last summer. Um, I see no improvement. I see actually the coverage of this conflict getting far worse, more anti-Israel this time around. Yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible. And, and you know, the facts are, uh, are so clearly the opposite. Look, Arabs uh, in Israel, they're about 20% about, uh, of the population have the highest standard of living of any Arabs anywhere in the in the Muslim world. Um, the relationship between uh, Jews and Arabs in, in Israel uh, has always been great. I think that Hamas has poisoned uh, the environment right now. And, and look, um, there's only one way to deal with them. I mean, this is not a negotiation. This is not a question of uh, granting them a reprieve through a ceasefire. This is a question of destroying Hamas or at least degrading their capabilities to the maximum extent possible. And if you see what Israel is doing, they're, they're doing an outstanding job of targeting their attacks against Hamas terrorists, against their equipment, against their launching sites. Um, of course, there have been casualties. There are casualties in war. But, uh, you know, if Israel wanted to uh, inflict damage on civilians, you know, they could have uh, inflicted so much more damage. I think they've done a really good job this time of limiting the collateral damage to civilians and, and really degrading Hamas. And they should continue until uh, Hamas no longer represents a threat. You know, you mentioned anti-Semitic Hamas, uh, anti-democratic Hamas, but also homophobic Hamas. And I don't think a lot of people here understand that. Uh, we see young millennials in Brooklyn, including Bella Hadid, of all people, major supermodel, uh, walking and, and pushing this one-sided version that uh, Israel is the, is the aggressor, that Israel is the, the bad guy in, in all of this. That's not widely known, is it, about Hamas and about uh, much of the look, Arab world? Look, look, homosexuality is illegal in the Gaza. It's also legal, by the way, in the Palestinian uh, uh, authority as well. They throw gay people off of the tops of buildings. I mean, it's been documented. Uh, these are not anybody's friends. The entire world should be united in the effort to destroy Hamas. That's not to say there's, you can't have different views on how to resolve the Palestinian conflict, but there's no resolution of that conflict that includes Hamas. They're a terrorist organization, an evil organization, and all the values that we hold dear as Americans, uh, all the values that liberal Americans hold especially dear uh, are the values that Hamas absolutely rejects. Ambassador David Freeman, we appreciate it so much. Uh, we only have a few seconds left. Our window is closing, but I understand you're making a movie about the uh, Abraham Accord. Yeah, look, I think it's really important. It's important to tell the story. I've been uh, filming it. I'm hosting it. I'm producing it. I've been uh, throughout the United States the last couple of weeks. I interviewed the president, Secretary Pompeo, Secretary uh, Vice President Pence, 
uh, Jared Kushner. I'm going to run through a few more uh, runs in the U.S. Then we're going to do this in Israel and in Abu Dhabi and Dubai and Bahrain and Morocco and Sudan. We're going to try to tell the story, not just through the uh, voices of the uh, leaders, but also the voices of the people who are now uh, enjoying such warm relations, even with uh, and, and especially with the conflict in Israel. You see that that's not jeopardizing those relationships at all. Ambassador Freeman, thank you very much. Be safe and to be continued. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. And we will be back with Joe Biden once again abandoning law enforcement in his public comments. It's our America. We built it. Courage. Freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app. Newsmax is real news for real people. Police are the ones in our communities. They patrol the streets. They try to keep our neighborhoods safe. They're the ones who put their lives on the line every single day who may not go home. They're the ones who are the pillars of every society, every community in our great country. And so on National Police Week, the number one thing we need to learn, not just on this specific week, but in every week, is that we need to show them the necessary honor and respect that they deserve. What an appropriate thing to say during National Police Week. Perfect. That's a congressman from uh, Florida, Congressman uh, Donald. And uh, it was terrific. Donald's. Um, look at what the Biden administration put out. Look at this statement during Police Week. The proclamation. This year, we also recognize that in many of our communities, especially black and brown communities, there is a deep sense of distrust towards law enforcement, a distrust that has been exacerbated by the recent deaths of several black and brown people at the hands of law enforcement. I would say a distrust that has been exacerbated by the far left and by the media, especially the media. I'd like to bring in our panel we have with us Lieutenant Randy Sutton, retired founder of the Wounded Blue. It's an organization that helps disabled police officers. He's a 33-year law enforcement officer from Las Vegas. Also, Jason Johnson, he is the president of the Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund, former deputy commissioner of the Baltimore Police Department. Welcome, gentlemen, and uh, nice to see you. Thank you for having us. Commissioner, first to you. Um, that statement from Joe Biden, you're, you guys are in the law enforcement community. I mean, you're, you're, you've lived and breathed this stuff. To me, that seemed like a pretty radical departure from what a president is supposed to say. You know, they have, they have things that they traditionally do in the protocol. How bad was that, or am I reading too much into it? It's terrible. Uh, no former president has made a statement like that during police week, not to my knowledge. Police week was started by President Kennedy. Other presidents have had uh, glowing remarks paying tribute to the service of law enforcement officers and re remembering those who have died in service to their communities. Um, and, and honestly, this is not a message that would have come from Senator Joe Biden. So you have to wonder why now that he is president, why he suddenly uh, changed his message about law enforcement. He used to be pro-law enforcement. Now he's uh, aiming to divide us from our communities along racial and, and class lines. You know, there are, well, I, th I heard a statistic, I think there are 15,000 arrests every single day in America. And, uh, you know, some of them are, are not going to be pretty. Uh, some of them are going to be ugly. To highlight that one moment in Minnesota and what he's doing, it seems to me, Lieutenant Sutton is tarnishing law enforcement across the board, or at least trying to. 
Uh, you're absolutely right. Now, you know, I think it's important for the American people to know that in Washington, D.C., there is a monument for law enforcement officers, and it is a gathering place during National Police Week. That monument bears the names of more than 22,000 American law enforcement officers who gave their lives in the line of duty. Last year alone, 362, I believe, officers died in the line of duty. This year alone, we've had we've had almost 38 murdered in the line of duty just so far this year. So police week is a sacred time for the American law enforcement officer because it is the time when we honor those who made the ultimate sacrifice. And not only did Joe Biden insult every every member of law enforcement with that with that decree, but to add insult to injury, then he changed the rules about flying the, the flag at half staff during that same time. He actually changed his mind and they didn't fly the flag at half staff, the only time I ever heard of in history. Yeah, you changed the rules. I heard it was because it was Armed Forces Day coincided with the same time that it wasn't that that part of the debacle wasn't a deliberate insult, that they had reason to fly it at you know, full staff. Is, are we wrong on that? Well, okay. If you want to, if you want to go there, but how about the fact that that, that the, the veterans couldn't even have their Memorial Day uh, parade because of the uh, attitude by this by this presidency? So don't 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 on one hand say hide behind the the American military doesn't work. Oh, and by the way, yeah, I think you're referring to that that big brigade of motorcycle enthusiasts who come to the Pentagon on uh, Memorial Day. They're not welcome at the Pentagon this this time around. Hey, I want to play a soundbite from Donald Trump versus Joe Biden at the debate last fall. And uh, Joe is being pressed on name a law enforcement group that's behind you. He doesn't have any Wait. law would you support. Look, he has no law enforcement That's support. not true. Almost that's nothing. Not, that, look. Oh, really? Who do you have? Name one group that supports you. Name one group that came out and supported you. Go look, ahead. Look, think. We have time. We don't have time to do no, anything. No, no. Think so, right. Right. Name folks, one law enforcement folks. group that well, came I out think, and I supported think gentlemen, you. I think so, Commissioner, was that Joe Biden being hazy? Because I figured there was probably one. I know overwhelmingly Trump had the, the support of law enforcement. So was he just being forgetful there? Or was there truly no legitimate, significant organization that endorsed his candidacy from the law enforcement community? Well, there, there were none that I, that I heard of. I don't think there were any. Um, but, you know, this president, look, any president has a responsibility to be a uniter, but particularly a president who ran on his entire platform was he was going to unite the country, who does now, now does nothing but foment division, especially division in ways that bring harm to our law enforcement officers and bring and disempower them. Look, homicides are up 25 percent, 25 percent across the country since the George Floyd protests. And a lot of that is just on this false and misleading rhetoric about about police. And and uh, the president has the opportunity here to correct the record and start putting factual information out about police. Finally, I think the public, well, a lot of the public have been manipulated. They have by the fake news, by the far left. And it's really bad. You see cops getting a hard time on the street. Uh, they used to say, uh, officer, he went that way. And now they just pull out their camera trying to get somebody in trouble. It's uh, it's really sad. I hope it reverses itself. I'm thinking about ways we can help it reverse itself. But Lieutenant Randy Sutton, thank you very much. And uh, Commissioner Jason Johnson, thank you. To be continued for sure. And we'll be right back. Hello, Michigan. Do you have the worst governor in the whole of the USA? I kind of got that. 
It's always darkest before dawn, but provided you keep your nerve and keep your resolve, it's amazing what you can achieve. Free people never, ever willingly want to give up the right to govern themselves. <laughs> well, are you revved up? Uh, and by the way, you know who he also revs up from time to time? President Trump. Look at these two guys together. Uh, Nigel Farage saw the uh, potential in Donald Trump way before a lot of the other political pros did. Nigel Farage, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you, sir? Great. Yeah, thank you. I'm great, thanks. I'm, uh, I seem to be in a different state every day, talking to audiences. I've been on the road now for a month in the USA. I've got two more weeks to go. Um, and yeah, you know, as you introduced it, a lot of conservatives have been going through a period of virtually mourning since the November elections, and there were lots of reasons to be upset. Questions about election, election integrity, division uh, in big American cities, and all sorts of horrible proposals from the Biden administration. But the message, Greg, I'm bringing is this. We got Brexit in 2016, and, you know, nearly three years later, Brexit hadn't been delivered, and we had some of the left-wing media boasting that Brexit was never going to happen. And do you know what we did? We launched a massive grassroots fight back. I led that fight back. We smashed the establishment in the European elections. We got rid of Mrs May, who was a treacherous prime minister. And now, not only have we got Brexit done, which is the biggest geopolitical shift since the fall of the Berlin Wall, but here's the really good news for America. The Socialist Labour Party, who'd gone in a leftwards direction, embraced cancel culture, uh, happy to talk down everything about the UK and its history. Socialism in England right now is unconscious, on its back, on the floor. We've beaten socialism too. And you know something? If we can do that against the entirety of the global establishment, America can come back and score fantastic wins too. That's the message. And there's no point being down and disillusioned. The grassroots who are one of the vital parts of any campaign, have got to get themselves organized and mobilized. And that's what I'm here trying to inspire. We love it. Hey, you're inspiring me right now. Uh, very much so. The Queen of England. I didn't know that. I knew she made a speech, but I didn't know she got into facts like this or matters like this. Here she is on election integrity, and uh, it's something. My government will strengthen and renew democracy and the Constitution. Legislation will be introduced to ensure the integrity of elections, protect freedom of speech, and restore the balance of power between the executive, legislature, and the courts. My ministers will promote the strength and integrity of the union. Now, I was told that she is supportive in that message of a voter ID is that a yes. fair takeaway from what she was just saying there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was so proud of those sentences. I mean, I should really be standing to attention right now as I speak to you. Um, you know, th 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 we have had postal mail-out ballots going on in England for the last 20 years, uh, and, and a lot's gone wrong with it. So what the government now wants to do is to re-establish the integrity of elections and showing voter ID is an absolute minimum and how the crazy leftists in America can portray voter ID as somehow being racist in Georgia and elsewhere is, Greg, absolutely beyond me. No, it, it, I thought what she said was absolutely right. And here's the funny thing. As much as the left in America shout racist at everything, 
I think people have stopped listening. If you actually look at the opinion polls, the vast majority of Americans, including half of Democrat voters, think voter ID is the right way to go. Uh, by the way, in London, it got really out of hand today. Anti-Semitic protests. We have video of this, and it's yeah. pretty intense. Let's go ahead and roll it, please. Um, this just came in a couple of hours ago, and let's take it full. Uh, okay, those are Hamas uh, flags, I believe, some of them, and uh, Palestinian flags, perhaps. Uh, you know what? Quite frankly... All right, I see a bunch of cars and flags. I don't see violence. I don't see any. I don't. Let me. Let me. Let's listen for a moment. Yeah. What we're hearing here are some vile anti Semitic statements where we bleep them out. Um, I wasn't expecting this in London. I have to say, I think it's one of the worst things I've ever seen in my country in my life. And just to give some context to that, all that was happening in the Jewish areas of North London. It was intimidatory, must have been absolutely terrifying for the people living there. Um, and it must not be tolerated. We cannot allow this. Do you know, Greg, already there are Jewish families fleeing Brussels, fleeing Paris, moving to Israel and elsewhere because they feel they can't live safely in society. I do not want this to come to London. Uh, Boris Johnson has made uh, you know, a couple of tweets about this, but we need the police to enforce the law. Because I tell you what, I mean, if a group of white working class guys had held that abuse, they'd all be in prison as we speak. So we need the law to be applied equally. And I'm, I'm absolutely disgusted by the whole affair. Nigel, as we go to break, I want to put your tour schedule up and thank you for appearing on Newsmax. If you want to see Nigel in person, uh, there are some of the locations. Let's see here. We're at the Cincinnati, Ohio is uh, tomorrow. Palm Beach, Florida after that. And uh, for more information, go to FreedomWorks or check out Nigel Farage's Twitter. Uh, excellent, sir. Continued success. Safe travels. All the best. Thank you. Be right back. Thanks, everybody. Sebastian Gorka is in for Stinch tonight. Should be great. Stinch is great, too, of course. I'll see you tomorrow.